0: Hello, humans! It's Rob here with Not A Robot Podcasts, DC Comics review show number 135, the world's greatest comic show about the world's greatest superheroes, and with me, as always, is Brandon. Hey, how you doing?
1: And Josh. Well, howdy there, partner.
0: (laughs) If you ever want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email to comics at notarobotpodcasts.com and get us on Twitter at notarobotcomics and Instagram at narcomicbooks and if you feel like supporting us just visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash narpodcast where you can get access to our Discord server where we are always talking with each other and other fans about all things geek including whether Eternals is worth it or not and whether baseball is as erotic as it sounds (laughs)
1: that conversation went really weird but i (laughs) yeah if you
0: want to know what we're talking about you got to get on It's it's weird so for the books this week we are looking at world's finest number 12 wonder woman number 796 lazarus planet's omega number one superman number one the flash number 793 Catwoman number 51 and Nightwing number 101 a lot of ones this week as well as some honorable mentions but before we get into that we're going to talk about the week's news what's going on with you guys uh
1: well um the I, I actually just had my doctor call me and tell me that on Monday I'm going in for that double uh heart cath and um that I knew about but uh, I did not know that they were planning on uh, on potentially having to put in a stint or two. So that's fun. Well, that's it personally. Is that God. good or bad? <laughs> well, it, if they have to put in a stint, that means that there's uh, some narrowing of uh, some of the parts of the heart, and those stints will hold it open. Mm picture it kind of like a kinked to garden hose and then you slide a yeah. piece of plastic in there to keep it from collapsing. Just to hold it open.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, shit. Hope that all goes good.
1: No, you're yeah, not the definitely. only one. <laughs> uh, I'm sure oh. it'll be fine. It's, n- it's not the first time I've had a heart cath. It's the first time I've had uh, it being done on both sides at the same time. But other than that, everything's groovy. How about you guys?
2: Uh, nothing really uh, new in my neck of the woods, to be honest. Just uh, same old, same old.
0: Yeah, about the same here.
2: Uh, just waiting on oh, my I, guess, coming in. Oh, yeah. I guess I guess one minor thing is um, I, I was very happy on Tuesday when a package showed up on my doorstep and it was from Ontario, Canada, and I knew exactly what it was um, and uh, waited all day until I could uh, rip that thing open and see it for myself. And it's been sitting on my uh, on my desk ever since, but uh, very pleased with that. Thank you again, Rob. I've, I've embarrassed you enough, so I'll spare you on the podcast. But that uh, no, it's a very, very kind gift.
0: Hey, well worth the money. Honestly, you're mm-hmm. worth it. I'm happy. You is, it's to funny too because the
2: the the trailer they're doing an adaptation for Essex County, and the trailer came out the exact same day. So was, oh wow, was fake. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. excellent. Yeah,
0: for Speaking those not in the know, I did get Brandon a a signed copy of the Essex County yes. collection. Well, not <laughs> even not even it's just beautiful.
2: signed. Don't sell yourself short. It is a signed copy. Yeah with a, a personalized sketch of the first character, well, the main character from the first story, the first Essex County graphic novel, Tales from the Farm, Lester, um, and it says to Brennan. It's just incredibly sweet. I couldn't believe it when he sent me a picture of it a couple of months back, and uh, just so over the moon to, to finally have it in my hands.
1: Nice, that's, that's awesome. And worth a little bit of jealousy. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of embarrassing, uh, I don't know if this is old news for you guys, but uh, it was new news for me. Are you familiar with the actor Ray Buffer?
0: Sounds familiar. No.
1: He was in Bullet Train, American Gigolo, Curb Your Enthusiasm, West Wing, ER, like lots of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, now that and, I see the uh, picture.
0: I know Ray Buffer.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he got busted stealing nine hundred, well, almost nine hundred dollars worth of comic cons, um, from or comic cons, comic books from uh, from a San Diego comic shop. Oh, he got shit. busted. He's caught on video, and and he's still pleading not guilty. Wow. Yeah. Mm. That's got how do, that's got to be embarrassing for him even if he doesn't realize it yet. That's messed up.
0: Yeah. That's
1: that is fucking crazy actually. I mean is our comic books our comic book shops like the new place to rob? I mean Apparently. guys, go back to banks and shit. I mean <laughs> at least that's insured. You're not going to fuck up anybody's life doing that. Oh, my God. Some people's children. Hmm. Seriously. (laughs) That was bad news. Um, Good news is Chris Bacalo is going to be coming back for the Horror Event Night Terrors. It's been over 20 years since he was at DC. And uh, I'll be damned if some of the art that I have seen isn't. Just absolutely beautiful. Definitely got away with. Have you guys seen any of it yet?
0: No, I haven't seen. Like the last I saw him was, like I think X
1: Men. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I'm looking at a couple of the pages that they posted up on that uh, Inferno website. Bleeding cool, and man, I'm telling you, it is looking gorgeous.
0: Oh, so they're actually, like... Oh, so this isn't even just an announcement about Chris Bacala. This is, like, they're officially announcing Night Terrors. <laughs>
1: yeah, I guess yeah, so. Which, I mean, wow, we all okay. kind of knew that it was coming. Yeah. Uh, they but did at, like, change the, same time, the we name. Could only see Yeah, we only could see, like, half of the title before, but now... Yeah. Okay. They changed right. the name, and I read it earlier, and I can't remember what the hell it is, but it's something like... Um Oh shit. Oh
0: uh, okay, Yeah. So DC
1: Night Terrors.
0: Yeah. So this this looks mm. interesting. It's Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman find the body of one of their earliest enemies at the Hall of Justice, and their investigation takes them well into the land of the dead, where the only person that can
1: help is Deadman. Yep. Mm. It is Williamson, so uh <laughs> curb your enthusiasm, but it does have the potential to be really good because if I'm not mistaken it is a fairly limited series I want to say wanna uh, Let's say, say it's, it's, it's taking issues. place in July and
0: August specifically Great. Uh, two- it will feature multiple two issue mini series
1: excellent okay yeah so it won't be out there too long and uh, Rob yeah you have a set of collectible figurines that you Got a while ago, that uh, uh, included a special build-a figure. You made Atrocitus, is that right? Yes, yes, I did. Mc McFarland Toys has done it again. Oh, they they oh. are releasing new Titans S- figures S- for Oh shit. Nightwing, Raven, Arsenal, and Donna Troy, and then the the uh, build-a figure is a massive Beast Boy and Yo. let me tell you oh ya, god I see that now boom. that is beautiful <laughs> other than Dick Grayson's face which I do not like the rest looks fantastic oh god yeah that raven looks awesome Beast Boy is,
0: is huge so this is like the um, yeah the DC Rebirth Beast Boy when he had that issue with his powers
1: uh, yeah if I'm not mistaken yeah. that's where this, yeah. this is drawn from Raven figure looks really good. I
0: see what you mean about Nightwing's face. It's a little, little bit Bruce Campbell. Like it's a very, very square (laughs) square line jaw. (laughs) Like
1: it's just missing Uh, the double chin.
0: And you have Jay Leno.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Now it maybe it's the hair that's on there, or the fact that his mask is crinkling with his chin or his cheek. But altogether, it's still not too bad. It looks good, and I would love to see that sitting on. Brandon's shelf. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah no. Well,
2: um, I, I'll definitely take a look at that uh, Arsenal figure. I feel like it's rare if ever we get uh, figures of Roy Harper. Um, so that'll or be, that'll be nice to have. Um, yeah. or, it, well, yeah, or Donna Troy. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no. I, um, I, I feel like we've been spoiled in the past with a lot of Nightwing figures, so. I got. I still got to figure out which one I want. They have like those. I don't know if you've ever seen them, Rob or Josh. Um, they're like the um, the um, what do you call them? Not busts, but you know what I mean. It's like those, like the statues, basically the the yeah. small statues that they have, and they have one of the the Jim Lee. Um, rendition of Nightwing from Hush and it's like the most gorgeous thing I've ever seen in my life and I want that so bad it's wicked expensive but I'd love to have it
0: oh yeah that'd be awesome though Uh, Jim Lee statues are
1: gorgeous everything Jim Lee draws draws is gorgeous I I posted I posted
0: an image of the Nightwing figure as well if you want to get a look at it and you you follow that link you'll be able to see the other ones too uh oh gosh so I, I haven't been following I, apparently I haven't been on Instagram a lot recently because I haven't looked at the oh McFarlane Toys official there, there's been a lot of stuff announced <laughs> there's a Joker-ized, oh yeah. Jokerized Dark Detective figure um, Impulse I think I saw Impulse before it looks really good but what I didn't mention before when they announced it a couple of weeks ago um, a line of the Dark Knight trilogy figures which are honestly all freaking gorgeous Mm-hmm. They've got Batman, Joker, Scarecrow, Two-Face, and the Build-A-Figure is Bane. And they're so incredibly nice. decent.
2: That's a smart choice for Build-A-Figure.
0: Bane. Yeah. yeah. McFarlane is definitely a place to... We're not getting paid. I <laughs> just want to preface that, right? We're not getting paid by McFarlane. Yeah, no. I just honestly like I these I mean, figures. they can
2: they can pay us in figures. I with probably say so.
0: I will I will gladly review these figures. <laughs> yeah, I um, shit I'm sure first send them in line back. for that Arsenal one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to get a good look at that Beast Boy build a fig too. That's
1: beautiful. Yeah. it really is. Then uh, the last piece of news that I've got is Williamson sat down for uh, a Spoilers of Steel interview that apparently CBR is going to be doing about superman and with its creative teams and uh he's gone on record to say that brainiac is going to be uh basically the major role of the entire dawn of dc publishing initiative throughout the entire year um apparently the ending teases not only what's coming for superman but the entire dawn of dc this year it's not about brainiac um but Brainiac is a much bigger player in the DCU and the Dawn of DC, so that's gonna be the uh, that's gonna be the big bad villain for the entire event. Cool. Maybe we'll see. Seems like Brainiac stories are either awesome or completely forgettable.
2: yeah i mean i I guess it just depends you know that i know there are some some classic one and done stories some that are not as as memorable but superman brainiac the jeff johns gary franks stories you know one of my favorite superman stories from that action comics run so if it's anything like that uh, it's hopefully gonna be pretty good
1: yeah yeah fingers crossed man fingers crossed that that statue brendan is gorgeous just
0: looking at it i know that's <laughs> that's that, like that's the dream that a scream in his right hand is it actually spinning or is that just a uh an effect for the image no like, so they, they have, have i think it's there? yeah
2: it's it's like multiple screen sticks so it's meant to create that effect because the panel that right. they took it from um has you know dick spinning his thing but obviously they can't really replicate yeah. that um with the figure so But yeah, that's that's the dream. I just so want to have that on my shelf at
1: some point. Yeah, I I I can't blame you there. I want that on my shelf, and I don't even collect action figures anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, that is pretty. That's way better than the McFarlane one that's coming out. Yeah, no, that's uh, it is just great. It really is. Let me see if I can pull up an actual picture. Um, yeah, I didn't
0: yeah.
2: have
1: anything no how about you Rob no, I, didn't, I didn't have anything well, uh, I, I honestly didn't
0: have anything substantial yeah. i'm just I'm just waiting with bated breath for my two Kyle Rayner figures to come in I got the blue lantern <laughs> and 90s costume coming at the same time and they' show up at any day now <laughs> I'm just i'm I'm waiting my legs are twitching oh yeah. man that looks so good that looks so that's, good that's a good idea having these no, just stick clear.
2: Yeah, no, that's. I, yeah, so I just want to take like, like a, a picture from real life where the actually you can actually see that it's you know eight different yeah. square mistakes. It's a that's really awesome. cool effect.
1: Oh yeah, it is. Giving it that clear color gives gives it more of the movement appearance. Yeah. And I dig that. I dig that a lot. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, yeah,
0: I really had nothing.
1: Well, I guess if that's all that's worth mentioning in the news, we should mention some honorables.
0: I think so. Honorable mentions would be good.
1: Alright, I have had kind of a busy read so I didn't get to read a couple. Um, one Bad Day Clayface I did not get a chance to read. Oh, and, uh, Superman. that is...
2: Uh, actually, I will say this very briefly, but it has to be said. I so feel like ahead. for the most part, the One Bad Day one-shots have been very gimmicky. But I checked this one out just because I was getting my stuff early and I saw uh, Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly were doing it. And they have been like my creators to pay attention to recently. Um, Also, they're incredibly nice people. Um, And I I read it last week and it was probably one of, if not the best, Clayface stories I've read in a while. Like this, I think, definitely one of the best one bad day stories. And it almost feels misplaced because it's so much more. Than just the gimmick that the line started with. It's it, it, it it's it's one of the ones that actually doesn't feel like it's trying to ape off of Killing Joke. It's really just telling an emotional, great clayface story. So, hundred percent endorse oh. that one.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm gonna have to go back up to the LCS because they did not have any, and I guess mm. that might be why.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a, I didn't get to read that one and I didn't get a chance to read Space Age number three Superman Space Age number three yet um, I did get a chance I did get a chance at the other ones you said it's decent oh no I said it's excellent it, oh like, excellent I,
2: I said yeah I said I don't know if we talked about Space Age last I think I reviewed that one um, but yeah Mark Russell and Mike Allred's like one of those pairings that you just read it you are know, like how the hell did this not happen before and it still yeah, is just right. as good yeah. as it was yeah. I was just kind of disappointed it was such a long break uh, between the second and third issue but yeah great yeah. stuff
1: right on. that is indeed awesome um, let's see DC uh, deceased War of the Undead Gods number 6 I thought that one was really good Black Adam, number eight. I'm still liking this story, even if it is just a little different, I suppose. Sorry, what? Uh, (laughs) I I like it. Um, Titans United Blood Pact, number six. Skip this, so they quit this. And then finally, (laughs) (laughs) GCPD, the Blue Wall, number five. It is only on honorables due to our time constraints this evening. Uh, this book is just so solidly put together and well told. I highly, highly recommend the series to anyone interested in more than just capes. Yes, and I, I can say that. That's all the I, mentioning I've got to do today. I, I just At got to so read far. The Blue Wall today. and Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh my it's, god, it's, it's so, so good. good. <laughs> so fucking good.
0: Yeah, so fucking good bud
1: sniping <laughs> alright so with
0: <laughs> oh god hi right. Hi.
2: oh yeah sorry you guys were cutting out a lot
0: oh shit that's a okay we were bit. just uh, making weird jokes again or <laughs> making yeah. references to jokes we made earlier today oh man <laughs> that's uh, I don't
1: it's what we jokes. do. Yeah, it's what we do there, bud. We are the world's I, finest at bad jokes. <laughs> as much as that
0: is a great transition, I did want to just bring up, I found it interesting that you being the American and me being the Canadian, you were defending hockey and I was defending baseball.
1: Isn't that fucking uh, weird? What kind of that's strange weird. parallel universe have we landed in? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. That's weird.
0: You find baseball boring. I find hockey pointless. <laughs> oh my god! What what the hell's happening right now? Are you even Canadian? That's I don't I'm know, saying, man. Like, isn't... <laughs> but I, have, I do I like curling. Been, I the love one curling.
2: Thing that Canadians like.
0: He likes curling. <laughs> I like curling. I did say when I when I oh brought up one of my one of my tirade about hockey, I said what I'm sweet, saying is technically sweet, illegal, sweet. but
1: you're gonna get your citizenship revoked, my man. So, if they can find me, I know I'm too busy watching the next game, I'm too busy Just watching the Leafs don't. lose again. Oh, ouch! Yeah. Don't feel bad. I'm a Red Wings fan. Um, <laughs>
0: they
1: have, despite, despite since your the hockey mid-90s. status, I I did
0: have to explain Sammy Zayn's honorary hab shirt to you last week. Yeah, you did because I was yeah. like, Hab? What the fuck is that? Because that's, that's that's the thing about my family. One half is Leafs fan, the other half is Canadians fan. So it makes family
1: dinners very awkward. No, you said that wrong. It makes them fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're right. It actually makes them very fun.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, yes, so as Josh mentioned before, we are the world's finest at making bad jokes, and that means we are moving on to our Quick bite section with batman superman batman slash superman i just want to put that in there world's finest number 12 the fated date issue oh i'm stoked this is written by mark wade with pencils by Emanuela Lupacino, inks from wade von graw badger and norm Ratmond colors from Tamara bond valaine letters from steve wands and a wonderful cover from dan mora i wish he was still doing the interiors man i like the interior art on this issue he will be but... back next month don't worry oh man okay that's good it's good to hear Alright, so Robin and Supergirl have finally, we are finally seeing, I keep going to go back in time with my words here, are finally going on their legendary bad date, as we saw in, I think it was issue 2 or 3 they mentioned it, which really was as bad as they made it sound, with really awkward conversation, some bad celebrity interactions with the waitstaff, and a runaway pet monkey causing chaos on the street outside leading to Supergirl ending up soaked in a puddle, and Robin realizing he did not have any cash on him and can't use his card because he showed up in his super suit. So he can't pay unless he goes to the ATM. that's how you knew there was
2: not gonna be a second date.
0: Yeah, so Kara's just like, ugh. Oh, I got it. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, oof. Dick, dude, don't take your name literally. Come on. Oh my god. Uh, I guess this is just this one fading that was not meant to be. But yeah. This this would explain why when it comes to the second <laughs> Trinity, Supergirl and and Nightwing are not mentioned together. Mm-hmm. It's typically, I think. I've seen this conversation come up a lot over the last few months. You have the Trinity Batman, Superman, and one Roman, And then you have a th- another Trinity with um, Red Hood, Artemis, and Bizarro. Oddly enough, the Dark Trinity. And then you have your uh, Tim, Connor, and Cassie as Trinity. But what's Dick gener- Dick's generation of Trinity? Because there's no other yeah. super person apart from Supergirl. But that never was really a thing. You could have Dick and yeah. Donna but then who's the super in the mix? You know, It really isn't uh, Yeah, which I think
2: it was, it, I think there was a, a thing and I, I can't remember where I read this. Uh, it must've been um, some article or something somewhere. So it, might, it may not even necessarily be true, but I do remember reading somewhere that there was a policy with DC in the sixties, I believe when um, Mort Weisinger was the Superman kind of editor in chief of, of all the Superman books And apparently they have, like, a really strict rule about the fact that they couldn't let Supergirl be in any other books besides the Superman books, which is why, despite being a teen hero, she was never in the Teen Titans. And I think there was, like, some kind of petition by one of the writers to try and get, you know, Supergirl to be a part of the Teen Titans, but she never was. Um, You know, it might have been an article on – the New Frontier, because there's a panel at the end of the last issue of DC, the New Frontier, where Supergirl is with, you know, the the teen heroes that will become the Teen Titans, and people were like, "Wait, that doesn't make sense. She was never a part of them." And then someone kind of elaborated on the whole history there. But I think that might be why that pairing never really existed, kind of in in any um, older context.
0: Oh, fair enough. Yeah, well, that, that'll certainly do it. Uh yeah, well, that's there. Well, now we know for sure that why, at least in continuity, it never happened because they did <laughs> not like each other. <laughs> yeah, because of really, well, one actually, really
2: bad dates Well, that's that's a, another long and lengthy question that I don't think we need to go into. Um, which is, does Supergirl even remember this happening? Um, because yeah, that's the the history of Supergirl is a whole other thing that. Is
0: oh God! Yeah, time to Because um, there was yeah, there was Krypton the Supergirl or Argo who died. Or Argo City yeah, during and, yeah,
2: mm-hmm. and so my my question was like, is this a Supergirl who died during Crisis, or is this the Supergirl from the Jeff Loeb Superman Batman, which wouldn't really make sense because Dick was Nightwing when that, that. Like I said, it's a whole. Uh, so I was just like, eh. Forget it. I don't care. Um, this is just a, a fun issue explaining how terrible it would be if Robin and Supergirl were to date. Yeah.
0: Like, I am a firm believer in continuity matters, and I'm very much an advocate in like, hey, hey, you forgot this happened five years ago. But yeah, there are certain things in in history that I think should just be scrubbed from the books, and I, and personally, Supergirl Matrix should be one of them. Oh.
2: Mm-hmm. A lot of 90s fans would disagree. That's not a
0: bad book, honestly.
2: I, I, I don't dislike that one, but it is kind of a, a weird kind of a anomaly <laughs> in Superman's history. Yeah. The whole, yeah, yeah Linda Danvers character.
1: Very strange.
0: Yeah. Well, what'd you guys get? Put that up there. I, I say that, but like I also liked the
1: red and blue superman stories <laughs> so my, oh my, my opinion God, take it with a grain of salt yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna yeah, take it with yeah. a whole fucking tablespoon of salt no the, the peter <laughs> david
2: matrix stuff actually it isn't terrible i i would say it's no. better than average but i'm by no means the biggest supergirl fan so I, I don't know that i could necessarily be the best judge of that yeah fair enough
0: uh, yeah, scores for this book though I gave it a 9 out of 10 I actually really enjoyed this one, a lot of fun a lot of cute moments a lot of funny moments, a lot of cringy moments
2: yeah I gave yeah. this one an 8.5 out of 10, I had a lot of fun and it's it's kind of nice I mean we've talked about this book as a throwback but it's it's. I just kind of want to reiterate that it's nice being able to look back on a, a simpler time and I also think it's funny looking back on some of the characters in a more simple time especially someone like Robin who you know, I, I would say is a lot more tempered as Nightwing than he is here as as Robin. He kind of comes across as more arrogant and kind of self centered. And you're like, yeah, I guess you know he would be before he really matured and formed the new Teen Titans, not the old Teen Titans, um, and kind of grew into an adult. So it's it's fun, yeah, looking back on a on a simpler time.
1: Oh, for me, I thought the art was really good, but a whole issue dedicated to a date between Dick and Cara that meant absolute shit. To me, is a waste of time and money. Um, I, I thought Wade seriously disappointed here, and it, that feels rough to say because I am a big Mark Wade fan. Um, that's about all I can say without going into full tear down mode for a book that, um, well, I mean, and I know you guys don't feel this way, but it's it to me, it's basically like. It's alt worlds, but it isn't. But it's different from both. And and sure, it might have happened. And no, wait, it did happen. But it doesn't matter. No. But that still cost everybody five six bucks. And that's not cool, man. I mean, I guess you guys had fun with it, but to me, it was pointless. I could have completely skipped this issue. I I, it like I said, the art was really good, but not enough to get a high score. I gave it a six out of ten.
0: i do wonder though like okay i have a question here because i know through my history of comic books why i enjoyed this issue i can pinpoint why so i have a question when it comes to the 90s animated series comic books batman superman adventures you know books of that caliber adventures in the dcu i collected all those issues brandon and josh did you guys read any of those Never the spread. comics. Never the comic
2: tie-ins. I was usually okay. – I would just watch the, the show. Okay.
0: I
1: think have... I may
2: have read one – yeah, I may have read one TMBA tie-in um, like – I don't even know how long ago it would have been, but, yeah, rarely ever.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I enough. think I might have picked up a couple in a dollar bill.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, they, they were wholeheartedly kids'
0: comics they they were not meant to be all they just come they were 100 percent kids comics and that's why i ate them up but they were chock full of stories just like this where it's just one-off stories uh fun little romps occasionally there's a criminal or sometimes it's just silly little thing i think there was even an issue of superman adventures where jimmy olsen took center stage and it was just him photographing superman the entire time and i loved that issue if I'm not making it up. Yeah. It just sounds very familiar. <laughs> there was yeah. something like 65 issues of Superman Avengers. There's there's a lot. Um, <laughs> so I'm think- I don't know. I was just curious that maybe that's why. Like, if Josh, you never got a chance to read those in Brandon, you did, maybe that's why. Maybe it's the same situation with me, why it is I love an issue like this.
2: Maybe. I, I think it was just, I don't know, it was like fun story filling in the blanks of what happened on the disastrous date. You know, nothing too serious. Like I like fun, one and done issues. If it's done well and it's uh, enjoyable for me, I'm uh, I'm always down for that.
1: Okay, and I do so like shifting I'll...
2: perspective ones. Like one of my favorite issues of All Star Superman is the one where it's Jimmy Olsen in the lead, and you're like, "What the fuck? This is gonna be terrible!" Like, and then you read it, and it's great. Um, so,
1: yeah. I mean, I don't mind one and done issues at all as long as they're standalone and not a part of a series so I guess I like one shots Um, yeah I don't want to I don't want to rag on Wade too much I guess I'm playing favorites we we will
0: we we will move on uh, to uh, another book which we have ragged on in the past uh, with Wonder Woman number 796 and Brandon I'm going to let you take it over what is this? wonder woman
2: oh wait am i am i doing wonder woman i thought you were doing wonder
0: woman i'm not i did world's finest <laughs> oh let me check my notes i don't know i don't because i just copied and pasted from discord
1: as did i yep brandon i got you at wonder woman all right so um it picks up with the last issue left off um eros shot a giant love arrow at the whole fucking world and everybody's in love with diana and everybody else diana and yara go after eros and uh ends up with his hand being cut off um which i thought was funny um (laughs) and uh the issue ends with hera being um being yelled at by zeus zeus interfered and zapped arrows off of the battlefield with the bolt of lightning and uh, hera wasn't too happy with it and someone not hera but somebody snuck up behind zeus while they were arguing and killed him so hera is sitting on the throne of olympus now and that is basically the book and I feel like there were definitely some cool parts to this one the art looks great I mean that's what Amanke and does is uh he draws damn good mm-hmm. Jordi Belair is uh, their colors are always fire uh Wonder Woman in this podcast has kind of had a bad relationship um since Cloonan and Conrad took over um the previous issue I thought was really good right up until the last page. That's kind of been the situation for the last few issues. This one still makes me wonder if it's going in the right direction. But the story is pretty interesting. And to see how Hera and... Oh, that's right. Um, my mistake. I said we didn't know who it was. We do know who it was that stabbed Zeus. And it was the wizard Shazam. So I'm interested in seeing how he fits into this plus I'm curious as to what will happen with arrows or arrows um now that he got his hand cut off how's he going to shoot arrows now like i i guess a crossbow it's um, going to have to be it's going to have to be but uh for me this is the best score for a wonder woman book in a long time i gave it a 7.75 out of 10 yeah
0: i can agree much better this time a lot more action a lot less nonsense uh let's just hope it holds up Uh, I'm I'm still waiting patiently for a new creative team, but we'll see. (laughs) Maybe after 800. (laughs) 8 out of 10 for this one.
1: Oh, speaking of creative Uh,
2: 7.5 for me. Uh, Fun seeing Yara in this uh, arc. I know she was kind of dramatically appeared in the last issue, and now we're getting the proper uh, team-up between her and Wonder Woman, um, and also taking down Eros, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I definitely feel like The kind of tying this all together with the big Olympian plot makes it a lot more interesting than when we were just getting the psychic milk stuff. Um, So definitely more interested. Still not perfect, but um, you know, better. And the art is really solid too. So 7.5 out of 10. I will say, a little embarrassing on DC's part. I don't know if you guys read out the creative team, but um, if you noticed, they list Jordi Belair as the colorist, but they have Tamara Bonvillain on the cover is the colorist and it's so oh, I didn't obvious even that this color that. scheme yeah it's so obvious this color scheme is tamra vondelaine because she has those really warm uh colors for her palette um that i was just like how do you even fuck that up yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well i'll tell you what i didn't catch it <laughs> oh yeah uh, that's your keen eye though mr librarian I missed that
2: completely. I got to the end and I saw that and I was like, "You're fucking kidding me! This cannot possibly be Jordy Belair." I know what her color palette looks like and it's not this. It's never been this.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think Jordy Belair did no. It was not it was Pauline again who showed in the backup. Yeah. Yeah.
1: She just did the story.
0: Yeah, that's interesting.
1: Huh. We don't speak of the backup around here.
0: <laughs> back up? What back up? <laughs> exactly. Oh, back up. Back to the main story. Uh, yeah. I think we all gave our scores. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yep. All right. Yeah. Well, hopefully, one Roman sticks. Uh, sticks to this course of action. To be continued in Lazarus Planet. We once were gods. Which I think the first issue already came out, didn't it? Mm-hmm. No. Revenge the God. No. Did it? I don't know. I'm getting confused with all these Lazarus Planet tie-ins, man. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they were all one shots, yeah, no. but it we really once forgot that was a tie-in. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Revenge of
2: the gods is the six issue miniseries that's coming
0: up. Oh okay. Yeah. See there's they're not really doing a proper checklist on this, at least not that I've seen. It's making it very yeah. hard to figure out what the hell's going on. But speaking mm-hmm. of Lazarus Planets, we're now moving on to our spotlight section for the week which our first issue will be Lazarus Planets Omega number 1, supposedly the book that will tie up all these Lazarus Planet events, but, you know, spoiler alert, not really. This opening story (laughs) is written by Mark Wade, with art from Ricardo Federici, and Mike Perkins, with colors from Brad Anderson, letters from Steve Wands, and as has been the case, a gorgeous cover from David Marquez and Alejandro Sanchez. So we pick up where uh, I think it was Alpha left off <laughs> like two months yes. ago, something like that, where King Fireball has invaded the Hall of Justice, where Black Alice, Monkey Prince and Robin are holed up, trying to run points on the two teams that have separated themselves across the planet. He's starting to wreck their shit as Zatanna, who has recently helped uh, save the magic from the Tower of Fate, is trying to pull Black Atlas to them but King Fireball has other ideas and holds her down through the portal. So she's being pulled in two different different directions as Monkey Prince comes to her aid, gets her away and before King Fireball can begin to look for them, gets hit by two beams of heat vision as two Green Lanterns in Hal Jordan and Joe Mullane, two Superman in John and Clark, Yara Floor, Wally Flash and Martian Manhunter arrive to help take down King Fireball as Robin Damien these multiple names are getting exhausting. Uh, take on King Fireball uh, as sorry as Robin begins happiness. <laughs> wow, I'm I'm tripping over myself going in so many different directions. There's too many characters in this scene. <laughs> uh, so they begin yeah. the fight towards King Fireball, but he gets the upper hand as Robin realizes he's able to manipulate the Lazarus storm that is flying overhead. <clears throat> black alice uh has a private meeting with monkey prince uh with some kind of plan as robin looks on from beyond uh the team does what they can to take down king fireball as black alice teleports to the tower of fate and begins to put all the magic back into the proper players meanwhile at the at the hall of justice not the tower of fate the superheroes powers have begun to move about robin now has some heat vision Clark has uh, Martian Manhunter's telepathy. Wally has some super strength, so everything's going a little awol. <clears throat> As Black Alice is beginning to put all the powers back, starting with the Spectre, Shifu Pigsy arrives and says, "This is not really a good idea. She's going to destroy herself." Uh, and uh, but continues anyway, saying that, "Look, I just need to do this. Everyone's been telling me what to do, where to go, and..." I have not had any control. This is what I want to do. Just let me do it. As she continues to do that, the heroes are doing what they can to take down uh, King Fireball, but it's just barely holding together. And as Black Alice finishes off all the uh, the magical beings, uh, putting all the powers back where they belong, <clears throat> the Batman-slash-Devil-Nezha uh, combination senses a disturbance in the force, if you will, as Black Alice explodes and all the magical beings are right back to where they need to be. Uh, However, Devil Nesha Batman is able to communicate with King Fireball across the planet and basically just talk shit to him until he says, look, if you want to be a lightning rod for magic, then you will be a lightning rod for sure, as he blasts uh, King Fireball with some Lazarus lightning which is actually a teleportation spell getting all the magical users, i.e. the Shadow Pact or the Sentinels of Magic, whatever you want to call them. It's a damn team of magic users, and it's awesome. They all show up just in time, and villains and heroes alike all use their respective powers on King Fireball all at once with the Spectre coming in and delivering the final blow, capturing him and whisking him away. As they pick up the pieces, uh, there there's still some stories left to be told, as the as we see with the Helm of Fate and Dreamer, which is what I'm very excited about, we see Black Alice is still alive, just gone away somewhere and hiding. And Batman has arrived to see his son once again. Seemingly normal now. But as we will see in the conclusion of Batman vs. Robin number five, Devil Nezah is still inside Batman, so while it's not Robin fighting Batman this time. It will be Batman fighting Robin. Oh, boy. So, uh, do we want to go into the backup first
1: before we get into now the we whole We can talk review, about or? this one first and then get into the okay. backup because they're pretty separated. Right they are.
0: Uh, I think, honestly, good ending for the story for now. There's still a lot of threads left open. And, honestly, I'm going to see how Batman versus Robin ends before passing full judgment on how this chapter has ended. Uh, the backup does leave some... In- uh, sorry, I'm going too far ahead. <laughs> I do love the art throughout the issue. Um, I was just kept reading my notes. I do love the the art throughout the issue. I think it's gorgeous. Ricardo had to retreat. Mike Perkins do an amazing job. Uh, I don't really know what else to say about it right now because I, I didn't really dislike it. I just think there's not much we can go on right now. They stopped King Fireball, but Devil Nessa is still around. And all the magic users are back, but powers are still haywire. The Lazarus Storm is done, but there's a lot of damage left to be discovered. So, as we say, the story's not done, and there's still a lot of Lazarus Planet tie-ins to see, so we'll see how it goes. As for Omega, though, uh, I'll I'll give my score at the end after the the backup, because I did not score them separately. I'd say an 8.5 for this, though.
1: All right. Fair enough. Um, if if I was grading them separately, I, I would have given this one a 7. Uh, for me, the art is absolutely amazing. Colors, light, pencils, all of it. There's a few parts where the faces or the perspective is just a tiny bit off. But honestly, it's all, it's all really damn good. Um, as far as the way this ended, it was way too quick. It was... Um, honestly, I'm sitting here going... Mark Wade wrote this. This wasn't Joshua Williamson. Um, While quite a bit happened, still nothing really did. There wasn't any real tie-ups other than saying magic has changed forever, but it probably isn't going to be. And some people who didn't have it now will. Uh, The worst part about this issue for me uh, is Black Alice, who I really hoped was coming back to stay, is gone now. Um, and oh, that's slightly overshadowed by the fact that Batman is possessed by a demon again. I guess we can't go longer than three years without that happening. Um, maybe it's five, but in any case, uh, I think this was okay. It was definitely not what I thought the last issue of Lazarus should be. The art though, man, Federici and Perkins are the real magic wielders of DC, but, um, the other part of that art there. Is it just me or or on that cover, which honestly is, is pretty cool, but I think it could have been better, which is honestly surprising to hear myself to say because it is Marquez and Sanchez, and they're some of my favorites. But um, near the back on there, and I'm probably just being a doof, but near the back on there, in between um, Blue Beetle and Booster Gold, That looks a whole buttload like Starlight from the boys. Who is that?
0: Uh, If that's not Golden Glider, it might be Booster's sister.
1: Oh, I didn't even think of Booster's sister. But she hasn't really been in anything since
0: Booster Gold series. Yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty sure. It's more likely than not Golden Glider, I would say. I would think.
1: Eh, Yeah. The costume. The costume threw me off. And, like, I looked at that, and that's all I could think was Starlight. (laughs) I thought that's a good point. But, yeah, I mean, as far as the front part goes, I would have given it a 7 out of 10 if that was the whole book. How about you, Mr. Brandon? Yeah, I don't uh I don't really have much to
2: add, um, other than I, I kind of agree with you, Josh. It was a bit of a weak ending. Although I guess it's not really the end since Batman versus Robin number five next week will be the official ending, even though I thought this was supposed to be the end, um and they advertised it as such. So I yeah, I don't know why. They're kind of, why they structured it like that, but whatever. But yeah, I I kind of agree. It was, the pacing was just a little too fast, I thought, and it just kind of wrapped everything up at breakneck speed, which I get you need to do, but really, you kind of could have just skipped every Lazarus Planet tie-in and just read the Alpha and the Omega, and you would have been fine. Like, I don't think there was anything essential from any of those tie-ins, except for maybe the Monkey Prince one, but I didn't read that one, and I got through this one just fine. Um, Right. So it really kind of makes everything that you've read so far very pointless, um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess if you're a Black Alice fan, you might like this book. It very much feels like a Black Alice book, but um, oh, other than I'm a that, Black Alice fan, and yeah, they killed really her. I am not happy. <laughs> well, she's not dead. She's like lost in the plane somewhere, so she'll be back. She's not. I I hope gone, so because
1: it's but, been like four hundred. Yeah, like, years. they literally I saw say it. she's
2: just. I mean. They think she's dead but you can clearly see she's lost somewhere um so she's not dead i'm sure she'll find her way back but i don't know i, I never really cared about black Alice, to be honest so i was kind of like oh cool i guess she gets her moment um but yeah other than that kind of just average so i gave this i mean the main story at least a seven and a half
1: all right fair enough let's jump into the backup then shall we written by jean luen yang art from billy tan of tan comics and that is the first time i've ever seen or that i can remember seeing uh an artist credited like that uh but um sebastian chang on the colors and said on lettering so the book or the story rather monkey prince wants to kill fire uh king Firebolt. god i i love the stories i hate the names but uh, Monkey Prince wants to kill King Fireball because he nearly killed a Monkey Prince's mom. Shifu tells him, no, don't do that, it'll turn you evil. And then he spills the origin of King Fireball. He's Neza's adopted son, not his real one, because Darkseid snuffed his real parents out. However, Naza had gone to Darkseid previously and asked him for help telling him all about where he was from, you know, because that's the smart thing to do to Darkseid. So Darkseid sent Parademons there, messed some stuff up, and killed Red Boy's parents. Red Boy turned on Neza, then after siphoning his dead parent's power, he turned himself into the Devil King Firebolt. Monkey Prince tells Shifu that he's listening to his warnings, but... Afterward, he plucks a hair, talks to one of his clones, and they agree that they should still still go kill Neza. Uh, the end. Now, well, uh, this is not something I really needed to read. I got all of the info I needed from reading the regular story. Didn't really even think about Neza and King Fireball's origin stories, but whatever. Um, Billy Tan of Tan Comics is one bad mofo. Every panel is delicious. I loved all of it, except how Calabac looked, but he never looks good. So, I mean, it's just a weird design for a character. Um, All in all, the artwork, uh, the art works at making up for kind of an, pretty much an unnecessary story. Uh, For the backup, I probably, yeah, I would have given it like a 7.5 out of 10. So the whole book, I'm going to give a 7.75. Not bad, but could have been way better. And um, then... <laughs>
0: Don't, dude, where's my car, me? <laughs> <laughs> um, sweet. Dude. Yeah, this this definitely leaves some interesting developments for Monkey Prince number 12, considering my review for number 11 was going on about how there's a lot of story left open at the end of the issue. With one issue left, there's a lot of stuff to cover. And while they did kind of close the door with LP Omega, they still kind of left it open, where Marcus still wants to kill King Firebull. So <laughs> I honestly have no idea what direction they're going in with issue 12 now, because there's like three or four different directions to go in. Uh, so I still think season two is happening. Uh, I didn't mind the, the backup. That was a, a nice little look at the history. And and gives a bit more credence to the lore. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I gave that. Uh, if I say that, my score doesn't make sense for the whole issue. I say it, eight point seven five. I rather enjoyed it. Right
1: on. It to Brendan. How about you, Brandon?
2: Um thought it was a nice way to just wrap up the Neza Fireball arc story, whatever you want to call it. Um, but uh, I don't know. It was just kind of average, kind of like the rest of the issue. Nothing too special, really. So I gave this a seven and a half. Really a whole issue, seven and a
1: half. All right. Sounds All right. pretty good. Right on so with that let me do the transition are... okay from lazarus planet to the daily planet here is ah, Superman number one i like that that's like that's way better than what i have all right <laughs> it's the only one i wrote down
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is superman number one and brandon i'm gonna hand this over to you
2: my pleasure yes this Would is superman number honor. one Yes, and uh, strap in because it is going to be a bit of a lengthy read, but I'm going to try and speed on through it. This is Superman number one brought to us by Mr. Joshua Williamson with art from the incredible Jamal Campbell. That is pencils and colors, so you know it was a labor of love and letters from Ariana Mar. It's the dawn of a new era for Superman as the dark crisis has ended and Big Blue has returned to Metropolis proper again, not counting. You know, the whole war world saga. And what better way to kick off a new era than with a flashback to the days of Smallville is John and Martha Kent have a heart-to-heart chat about Clark's future as John firmly states that no matter what the world throws at him, Clark will march to the beat of his own drum, so to speak. Flash forward to the present where Superman is in the midst of a deadly attack from Metropolis's favorite shock jock. Leslie Willis, a.k.a. Livewire, who's lashing out after her podcast was s- s- pulled from streaming services. No, I'm not making that up. That's actually in the thing. Um, it's, yep. it's hilarious. Um, and there's a panel in here that is probably my favorite in the entire issue, and maybe this week that we'll get to later. Um, but it is related to that. While so Superman tries to bring you, her sir, down what, what was pulled from streaming services? Her podcast...
0: Oh, okay. Sorry, I, I missed that because of the gif Josh sent in our chat. Yeah. So I was laughing oh, yeah, at that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. no, you're good.
2: Um, anyway, where is I? Um, while Superman tries to bring her down peacefully, Lex is in his ear the whole time, giving him increasingly violent advice of how to take her down. Lex, of course, is still in prison at this time and is desperately hoping that someday soon, a Superman will take his advice. After Superman stops Livewire and assists at a wedding, he returns to daily life at the Daily Planet. Everything seems to be business as usual as Jimmy stops by his desk. But the planet is in a new era as well, with the fiercest editor-in-chief with the fiercest editor this side of J. Jonah Jameson, Miss Lois Lane. Lois Lane is in charge while Perry's on sabbatical, and she's cracking the whip on the planet's staff. Hating every second of it, naturally. As a reporter, she doesn't want to be behind a desk, but she's stuck there for the time being. Lois, Clark, and Jimmy have a nice back and forth about Jimmy's new relationship before Clark suddenly heads to the roof to escape Luther's annoying commentary. Lois later joins him on the roof, consoling him when he admits that he feels like he let Luther down. Clark sadly does not know how wrong he is when a sudden transformation at the Lexcorp Tower catches their eye. When Superman flies over to investigate, he sees that the LexCorp logo has morphed into the House of L symbol. Investigating further, he finds Mercy Graves, who reveals that the sudden change was to embrace the new ownership of LexCorp, which will formerly be renamed SuperCorp. That's right, LexCorp has changed hands and is potentially going into the hands of none other than Superman himself. Superman is naturally unimpressed with Luther's schemes to make him better, and despite SuperCorp's many scientific advantages and technology, Superman decides he's had enough of Luther's schemes and interventions and flies off to have a chat with him. And yes, that's chat in quotation marks. Before he can reach the prison, however, he finds Parasite, who seems to be dealing with some kind of infection. Superman quickly discovers, however, that Parasite's infection is contagious and has affected Metropolis's citizens around him. Lex in his cell mocks Superman for not taking his advice sooner and reveals that the enemies that will soon cross paths with him are no longer Superman's enemies, but Lex's um I love this issue I loved it a lot actually it, it felt like just a great way to return Superman back into the fray after war world and dark crisis and everything it's just a, a bright new era filled with lots of new characters which I I think for this new era of Superman is, is definitely needed um and we could go over some of those but I think it's worth just reading the issue for yourself and checking those out um, but yeah, no, it's just an exciting debut and I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing where a lot of these teases are going to go, especially the teases we got towards the end of the issue um, with that you know coming in Superman page. Um, and uh, I've heard Williamson talk about the series a lot and just how much fun he's having with it and all the different types of stories that you can tell with Superman. And I'm hoping that the sky's the limit. Actually, sky's beyond the limit, especially if you're Superman and you can kind of just let your imagination run wild and and, uh, tell the craziest most wild superman stories you possibly can especially in this uh, whole new dynamic that he has so i had a great time the art from jamal campbell was good ish but there were some panels where superman looks really kind of squat and chunky um and it just looked kind of off it looked like i don't know like a small fat wrestler it was just really weird um but uh, aside from that i had a i had a really great time and uh looking for the next issue so i gave this an 8.5 out of 10.
0: uh josh you want to go first
1: josh uh yeah i was actually gonna just ask you that first i had my mic muted i'm sorry um, oh fair enough <laughs> but uh I was going to ask you if you wanted to leave this book on a good or bad note.
0: (laughs) I was thinking the exact same thing. (laughs) I just wanted to do a quick once over of the artwork after what Brandon just said, because I didn't notice what he noticed. I just wanted to take a quick look. Um, Uh, okay, I'll, st- I'll start it off because I, I, I'm still not seeing it. Um, I think it was a fantastic opening issue. I think for an issue number one, even written by Joshua Williamson, it was really well done. Uh, I mentioned earlier this episode about Superman Adventures, and it honestly gave me that kind of nostalgia of those kind of issues like back in the day, uh, just fun action, especially interesting with story. With yeah, especially with LiveWire was out of nowhere. And you <laughs> can just
1: LiveWire, like, uh, last scene with Robin.
0: Was she was it with Robin or was it Harley Quinn? Uh, who the hell was in that Harley Quinn with Task Force Double X? I thought it was in that, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't think LiveWire was in that, was she? Uh, or know. wait. Uh, she wasn't
2: something. Well,
1: <laughs> yeah. She was in she was in the Robin thing, and then uh she was in Robin? I don't remember
0: that. Wait, hold on. She she like was completely. with something. Oh, my God. I think we might be both right. I'd be thinking
1: of Flatline. Yeah, damn it. I'm thinking of Flatline. But really, I mean, same caliber. Anyway. <laughs>
2: Not even remotely, but... <laughs> they're very different um,
1: characters. Just
2: because they have white skin. Oh, no, so It's because they're
1: both B-listers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oof. That's, that's hilarious! You think uh, Live Wire is even a beat
1: lister? <laughs> I was trying to be nice.
0: <laughs> um, I do like Live Wire though, because as I stated, I watched the shit out of Superman the animated series and read a lot yeah, of it's Superman. It's like my Adventures. favorite episode. Yeah, it actually it actually uh, is a really good episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which i yeah. I'm, so wait, I,
2: I'll have to look it up, but I think that episode was written by like.
0: Uh, like a superman comics writer or something like someone famous, but I guess Uh-oh. there were a lot of writers in that series, a lot of comic writers. So I think you're, I think you're right. But yeah, if, if you can look that up, cause <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, yeah. So I honestly, I think gorgeous art throughout. I think Jamal Campbell killed it. I, I don't see the, the, how did you put it? Stockiness? for superman kind of i'm looking at chunky. it again I, yeah it just look kind chunkiness. of chunky oh okay yeah. oh okay no I, I okay i kind of see where you're going with the chest puffing out in a bit but yeah i wasn't completely against that i thought that kind of added credence to the 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 power yeah, it's just my as... yeah and that's fair well, it was evan dorkin do you who dorkin
2: is sounds really no. familiar. he's a comics writer um yeah i did a, a couple of stuff back in the day but um yeah, I guess he and his wife co-wrote the the screenplay for Livewire, which is why that episode is hilarious.
0: Okay. It's still a great episode. Uh, and fantastic yeah. to see her in this. Even down to Clark officiating a wedding because that's a job for Superman. Uh, how dare that officiant just quit? I don't care if Livewire's attacking. Like, <laughs> you were paid to do a job. <laughs> just take shelter Wire and then when it's done... You know. earn that $80. Yeah. <laughs> I wish efficiency cost that much. <laughs> My wedding would have been a hell of
1: a lot cheaper. <laughs> oh, wow. I used to charge people 50 bucks.
0: Oh, yeah? Well, we should have had you yep.
1: up and do it. Well, travel would have costed more, homie. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, so gorgeous art.
0: I think there's, there's lots of exciting story to come and I'll be honest with you, I went through this a couple of times even going through it again, I had a hell of a time trying to find any flaw I had with it, I could not fucking find, I did so I tried so hard to find a problem with this, I couldn't I'm actually scoring this a 10 out of 10 (laughs) I think for for number one, it's fucking fantastic and even Mm -hmm. online I'm seeing nothing but good chatter about this issue everybody's loving it
1: until now Josh until now um, Jamal Jamal Campbell is such a great artist Yep, um, but I've got a few bones, some minor some huge to me um, that need to be picked with this issue um, Livewire attacking Metropolis because her podcast was pulled off the air that's dumb Lex Luthor being in Clark's ear to telling him what to do that's dumb Lois running the Daily Planet. That's, I I, I actually think that one's kind of cool. But then we got Clark Clark playing music through headphones to drown out the ambient noise of the world rather than having disciplined himself to be able to tune it out any way he wants. And now the deal is that he's only learned to tune on John, Lois, his mom and dad, Batman, and Lex Luthor. That is absolutely retarded. Um, Lex Luthor handing over his entire company to Superman, now calling it Supercorp. Mercy Graves wearing a Superman pin. Um, Hell, the whole building as Superman everywhere. Uh, it, none of that was appealing to me in any way, shape, or form. In fact, the whole issue pisses me off. Um, Sure, uh, like, take back his identity reveal. I thought it was dumb when it happened afterward in the hands of others. I thought the idea worked pretty well. But take that back, okay, no big deal. But changing everything else, it's beyond fucking dumb. Um, It looks great, but with the potential exception of other villains jumping in, like Bizarro, but not the Bizarro I wanted, um, the story, I feel, is horrible, and I cannot stand it. Um, and then in that little tiny bit of a backup, uh, I, that's kind of intriguing, I guess, but not in any really substantial way for me. Uh, Jamal Campbell is the star of this book because he's great for one. And the other reason is that Williamson wrote a garbage fire and he made it look beautiful. Um, I gave it a six out of 10. There was, this was straight up cheese and not, for me, uh, number one, this, this, it's like redefining Superman, but in Williamson, in in Williamson style, and that never, ever works out, ever. So, yeah, six out of ten. It's bad. This is going to be so bad mark my words i want to get glenn on the line though because i want to i want to
0: fact check that because i i do think this whole thing with the headphone, like the headphones is a new touch but i think that whole idea of him tuning into certain people and and having trouble drowning out certain other things i think that's that's an established trope with superman i could be wrong
1: that's why everybody's got the emergency beakers emergency beacons Jimmy, Lois, they all have the button to press so that he can hear that particular sonic. Everything else, he can listen to the whole world. Um, that's what happens when he loses control of his powers. But other than that, he's 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 got total total control of all of his powers at all times. He learned how to do that when he was a kid. Um, thanks to his dad, John. And... Man, if they're gonna bring back Bizarro, why not bring back the good Bizarro? I mean, there's like five bizarros right now, which is uh, good uh, there's <laughs> the the one that we left in hell is the good bizarro. I mean, Trigon <laughs> is in making hell. an he's, appearance.
0: He's the king of hell right now. What what which throne did he take? Didn't he take Trigon's Didn't. throne?
1: That's what I thought, but that's not the case anymore. Trigon is back to being in charge, or Neuron, depending on who's writing what. I, I Trigon also think there's multiple is, is out throats in, of hell, because there's multiple
0: of hell at this point.
1: Maybe. And that'd be a hell of a Thanksgiving, wouldn't it?
0: <laughs> well, Uh You heard it here first, folks. Somebody that didn't like Superman number one. (laughs) For very
1: valid reasons.
0: I'll put valid in quotation marks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, We're going to take a quick commercial break. (laughs) Stay tuned for more. And we're back. Thank you for sticking with us here at Not a Robot. We are getting into our full dive reviews for the week, and our opening book is The Flash, number 793, with part four of the One-Minute War Thunder in Your hearts. We open up on the three flashes of the latest continuity, and yes, I'm including Bart in that, even though right now he's Impulse, looking at Superman, right, who is still slowly... A flash. Yeah, he's still a Flash. He's slowly catching up to everything with a... and so he's he's definitely got some recognition of what's going on, but instead of everything looking like a standstill, things might be looking like a blur to him. He might catch up. We'll see maybe next issue. <laughs> the Flash family, meanwhile, are trying to uh, figure out what's going on with their newest addition to the team, the conduit, living conduit, that was taken from the Fractions' home base. And they, this person, whoever they are, still yet to be named uh, reveals that they were a corrections officer of sorts they were jumping through dimensions when they landed on a world that was overrun by the Fraction and was then captured and the rest as they say is history and then explains how the Fraction is going after people that they call organic conduits who help power their ships and all sorts of other suits and abilities and even explains how They are also able to channel the Speed Force through themselves using the power conduits, I guess, on their chests. Uh, The Flash family take this information and begin to formulate a plan where they are going to fight back while this mysterious individual says, look, no, we need to get off this planet right now. But they say, no, this is our home. We're going to fight for it. So they come up with a plan in two parts where uh, Wally takes the two Kid Flashes and Barry, I see, uh, it's a really weird color. Bart has too many names. <laughs> uh, impulse, mm-hmm. Kid Flash, and well, And Barry to a garage to soup up the work that, it's not. sorry, it's not a garage, it's Barry's lab, which Barry freaks out about at the state about it, I forgot about that part, um, yeah, to soup up a car that he's been working on and infuse it with the power of the Speed Force which will give it an edge. Uh, Linda has a heart-to-heart with this mysterious character uh, who just is kind of bewildered by everything and realizes that uh, people might be scared, but they know that they're brave. Uh, Irie has another heart-to-heart with uh, Jesse, and they become a little closer. And the Flash family... Uh, sorry, the flashes come up with the, uh, the idea that with the souped-up, speed-force-infused car, they can race it into the uh, home base of the spire area of the fraction and use it to ram it directly into the, the controlling spire that uh, sends the speed-force power throughout all the machines and take it out, with the car acting as a sort of speed-force bomb. while they will drive it and will phase out at the last second before the car hits it, hits the spire, and explodes. The rest of the Flash family, meanwhile, run interference, gaining the attention of the, of the, um, of the Fraction, while Max Mercury and Jay Garrick analyze the wall that surrounds the, the Fraction zone base and figure out a way inside. So they all get back to the base to fi- uh, finally fill in everyone else on the, the findings that they found uh, as Barry is uh, still feeling a little down about Iris says we're going to finish this, this today no matter what and kind of walks away. And Wally has a heart to heart with Barry uh, where Barry is just kind of done uh, he has nothing and Wally says no you have us Iris was my family too so you're my family as well and you're never alone As Barry reveals that Iris and him do remember being married And she asked him to be married But he was also going to ask her So now who knows what's going to happen If she may be dead That's just gone They hug it out Have a nice little moment That was sweet Impulse and Kid Flash are now outside of the wall where they see a tank coming out. I almost called that an ABC tank for any reboot fans out there. Uh, they see a tank come flying out (laughs) of the Spire's wall and quickly interrupt it as Barry shoots it with a giant-looking laser rifle as reminiscent of the BFG from Doom. Uh, as... Yes. Yep. As Ace, uh, Max, uh, want to say Wally, Jay and Bart go racing into the wall and try and hold it open as Wally begins the engine on the speed force car and goes racing in. Jay gets stabbed in the back by one of the uh, enforcers of the fraction and Max gets smacked away uh, so they're they're no longer holding the door open as they reveal Miss Murder is actually on the way to their own home base, which is Mr. Terrific's laboratory. They've been keeping tabs on the, the Speed Force family the whole time and know exactly what they're trying to do. They're holding the door open for one last ditch effort to attack the spire, but as was revealed on the other side of the base, uh, Linda and Jesse are holding open another portion of the wall, and while he comes racing into that, he is instantly attacked by a bunch of uh, laser drones and the Spire sends its own little blast attack straight at the car which hits it and seems to explode the car on impact where Wally says he could not phase out. So it explodes. Jay is down. Miss Murder is attacking Irie and the Flash family is at odds. Whatever are they going to do now? Man, that's some stuff. A lot of drama. Flash family's got their work cut out for them here. I don't even know what's going to happen. <laughs> this seemed like a, a really well-put-together plan, but it got taken apart really quickly. No pun intended. Um, Yeah, I think the only player left standing right now that's not surrounded by things is Barry. And he might just be so pissed off at the fraction he's just going to go in with a thousand-punch flurry and just who knows That's <laughs> it's it's going to be an interesting next issue I really rather enjoyed it uh, I think the art kind of suffered in a few panels but for the most part I really liked it uh, a lot of very heartfelt moments with a lot of characters uh, a lot of camaraderie a lot of family I really liked it this this is going to be the best story you see this year where a lot of things are going at high speeds and it's about family uh, 9 out of 10 I was waiting for you to say <laughs> what that fast and furious pun yeah yeah, yeah. you weren't gonna say it on. i was gonna
2: say it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so that's me what do you guys think
2: i had a great time oh. this arc has just been so much fun and it's such a great celebration the flash family that moment between Wally and Barry feels like so overdue because every time they're interacting it usually feels like an argument or something like that but it it feels like it's been a while since we've had a a really just genuine heart-to-heart Barry and Wally moment especially given the circumstances with Iris which I mean you know we know is probably not going to stick but still it's just nice to see that they're there for each other in that way and also nice to see that both Barry and Iris still remember the marriage, that that that's something that happened, but they're also trying to kind of move past it in a way and uh, live a, a new life. They're not necessarily tethered to the past, but they, they do recognize that it happened, uh, which is, is good to see. So just a lot of good stuff here. Um, and uh, we've mentioned it many times. Rob pretty much said everything I wanted to say, but um, the one thing that he did not mention, which we've mentioned several times, but I will never get tired of mentioning, is that Impulse and Ace are the best pairing of this entire series, to be honest. Um, and uh, I hope that they can get their own spin off book, though. I mean, we talked about Young Justice. I think Bart should be doing other things. But if Bart's leading the team and Ace is there and they have the same dynamic, um, I, 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 it would be hard to say no to that. So. I had a lot of
0: fun. And this one got an 8.5 for me. I I did forget to mention that. I, I apologize about that because that was one of my favorite moments. I even screenshotted that one interaction between <laughs> yeah. Ace and Bart when I was reading and sent it to you guys. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I could swallow a bug if I wanted to. Yeah, we'll prove it. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, man.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I dug it, man, like a lot. There were a couple things I, uh, like, okay, so like when Wally gets into the car to take off toward the Fraction, you know, I look for Easter eggs like crazy if I notice them. I didn't get this one. He says, well, Tramps Like Us, and the only two things that I can think of is there's a manga series that's got that name, and uh, there's a Bruce Springsteen tribute band, so I don't know where that came from, but uh, I'm definitely not familiar with that phrase. And I'm curious, they 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 hit him with that emitter while he was driving the car and he couldn't phase out. So, did they, like, dampen his powers or, like, give him too much power? He looks like he's a little messed up there. Uh, it also looks like Jay is a goner. Uh, I think that Iris potentially isn't coming back, but... And this literally just occurred to me is that this is the one minute war so all of this and it's not done yet the whole war is going to take a solid minute like one minute so when everything gets unfrozen she'll have only been dead for one minute which means that they'll be able to save her so I don't think Iris is gone for good I am curious about Jay though um it's it's it continues to be a very 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 cool story man i am hella digging it and i think the art looks fantastic really the only gripe that i have with that is wallace in any panels showing his face he just kind of looks weird compared to everybody else and um that that's that's like the only problem that i have with the art at all altogether it is still kicking ass and chewing fraction uh the fraction not matt fraction that would be weird but I, uh, I cannot wait for the next issue. Nine out of ten, man. Right on.
0: I I just realized I don't think I said the credits at the beginning of the issue, did I? I honestly just, don't remember. I don't remember. Just in case. This was written by Jeremy Adams with pencils from Roger Cruz, inks from Wellington DS, colors from Luis Guerrero, letters from Rob Lee, and a, as always, gorgeous cover from Torrin Clark. And to your points, Josh, about Tramps like us. I, I
1: did take a quick look at it. What was it about Bruce Springsteen you found? There's a Bruce Springsteen. They they call it the greatest Bruce Bruce Springsteen tribute band ever, and it's called Tramps Like Us.
0: okay. So I, I did find a song by Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run, uh,
1: which has the, the line
0: Tramps Like Us in it. And he says, Oh honey, Tramps Like oh. Us, baby, we were born
1: to run. So that's that's yep. probably That's definitely it. I didn't. Oh my god! Wait, I just realized that
2: is such a great reference because it is. What's the What's the name of? Wait, actually, I might I might be screwing this up. I got to double check, but um, I swear. Hang on, I just need to see. Yes, okay. What's the name of essentially Wally's year one story? What's it called? Do you guys remember? Born to Run. (laughs) Born to Run, that's the first part that Mark Wade ever did with The Flash, and it's Wally's origin story. It's Wally's year one, I suppose you could say. That's that is such that is oh my god! I almost want to give this. That's that's a deep cut, dude. That That is is really deep. Yeah, that is a great (laughs) reference.
1: That's like because I knew the tribute band. I didn't. I didn't even. Well, of course that doesn't surprise me, but I did not remember at all that that was a line in there. Good job, hell of a research. That's so yeah,
0: cool. That's, <laughs> that's that's the that's that, the shit with Jeremy Adams writing that I like. This dude is deep <laughs> in so many ways. He's got he's like a, he's like an ogre. He's got layers.
1: <laughs> Everybody likes buffet. One. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so now we're moving on to our next book of the week, which is Catwoman number fifty-one. This is not the first Dawn of the DC issue, right? This is second Dawn of DC. For Catwoman, second, I think it's the first actually. Uh, is
2: that yeah, the first? I don't remember Catwoman. 51 having this
0: branding now. No. Okay, all right, so yeah, this this is the second, I guess, or third, technically, Dawn of DC branded book in the run so far. Catwoman number 51, and Josh is gonna fill us
1: in on Eiko Hasegawa as Catwoman. I definitely am. Catwoman number fifty one, written by Teenie Howard, pencils and inks by Sam Basri and Vicente Sufuentes, respectively, Veronica Gandini on colors and Lucas Gatoni on lettering, with a cover from David Nakayama. So, Rise and Revenge Part Two goes a little something like this: Kick it, uh, Dario <laughs> is. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) cool, I'm not that old Um, Dario is basically (laughs) going through a driver's test for Ico who reluctantly passes him because you can't trust anyone else that wouldn't make it look like the Hasegawa clan was responsible for what they were doing not to mention that the gentleman's club has invited Ico back to the table after having to deal with all the punchline and and McDollar crap So, uh, so she'll be on the inside as as uh the leader of the hasagawa clan and on the outside as the cat handling business speaking of business we uh we head over to gotham county to see selena talking with the lawyer she did not want the lawyer that is currently trying to convince selena that she's innocent of murder because it was actually the explosion that killed them and that was not her doing and the lawyer has the proof uh and she's got a convincing argument as Selina quiets down and silently agrees to be good while attorney Fremont works her magic. Should be pretty easy since Selina is the queen of commissary now. <laughs> and she's teaching all of her new friends how to be exceptional thieves to make sure that they are all well confident in themselves should Selena get the chair for murder. Also, to help them run the plan that Selina has worked out... Um, So hopefully that all goes good for them. Meanwhile, Eco has infiltrated the Gentleman's Club. That's, if you're not aware, that's the uh, name of Black Mask's little group of organized dimwits, or I mean bosses. Um, So she's infiltrated the club and has convinced them, after some pointed statements being made, pointed like throwing a knife at Black Mask, that she really has sworn off the cat for good. During that, Dario has a run-in with Noah, which has been a long time coming, and he scares the shit out of him, which I thought was pretty cool, that tacky bastard. <laughs> it turns out that on the inside, Selena's friends that she has gathered are all, well, they're powered up, so to speak, like Lady Clayface, for example, having taught them how to steal earlier tonight. At night, she teaches them how to fight. All the while, Batman is reminding her of who she is through notes passed on through the cat. Her cat. I can't remember what the name of it is right now. Duchess. Uh, Reminding her that she's got a great mind, a huge heart, and is the world's greatest criminal. I mean, holy crap, I loved this issue. I, I just absolutely loved it. Um, I think it's a, I think it's a super cool way For things to go down in jail for Selena While I doubt that these relationships Work their way out onto the streets anytime soon It does make for a wait, uh, a great way For Selena to be safe within the jail And she needs that while her not-lawyer Works on getting her out Plus these people could be allies When, um, when they do get out Perhaps later on in a Catwoman's run So I think this is a hell of a job Howard and Basri as usual kicks ass with his pencils and they are just set off perfectly. And I do mean perfectly by the inks and the colors, Uh, a seriously fantastic creative team that I hope stays together for a long, long time. So I gave this a 9.5 out of 10 right meow. Yeah. Yeah. Deal with it.
0: Just, just to be clear. Um, that was Beastie Boys. You were doing at the beginning of your review, right? So that's uh, what I heard. Mm. Every time I hear "Kick It," I just hear Beastie Boys.
1: Uh, that 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 was uh Rob Bass, so a little bit older than oh, Beastie okay. Boys, but they both no, did fair "Kick
0: enough. It." Yeah. Damn. No, I kinda so, so to I that. am old. Yeah. No, no, no. I <laughs> I know Rob Bass, too. I just I I every time I hear "Kick It," I think of that. I think of Beastie Boys. <laughs> that's that's where my mind goes. No, I I know Rob bass oh. though. Um, I'm struggling to remember the name of the song though. That, that one of the songs.
1: It takes two oh. to make a thing go right. Yeah, I, I, that's that's. I the one that, But that then I'm also
0: I'm also hearing. Uh, oh my god! Now I now I just blanked on it. Right, okay, that's not even the point right now. <laughs> Callum number fifty one. We'll talk about it later. Uh, honestly though, if Dawn of DC is meant to be jumping on points, which typically that's how these things go, this doesn't really fit too well to be honest with you, because there's a lot of backstory. I think with where this is right now, for people to really understand what the hell's going on, selena's in jail. There's a whole new cat woman There's some guy named Tom Cat. There's some weird alien cat named Duchess. The f- is going on? Unless you've been reading the last ten issues, you're going to be kind of lost. Um, beyond that though I think it's a really good issue if you have been reading so far it makes a lot of sense uh, it's, it's really interesting stuff Selina being as Josh said the queen of the commissary I think is brilliant uh, all these women that she surrounded herself with are actually already named villains that she found out thanks to the help of Bruce and more just teases that Bruce and Selina's relationship going forward is at least in my world always welcome uh, 8.75 uh, 8. out of 10 for this one it was really well done I dug the art, dug the story keep it coming uh,
1: oh, 8 yeah.
2: out of 10 for me I, I did not enjoy it as much as the last issue which I thought was much better um, I, they kind of keep teasing this idea that is going to get center stage in the Catwoman book and I'm hoping the sort of tease for the next issue finally does that because it feels like they've just been dragging out that idea for a while and it's like you want to see it just do it already um, but aside from that I think the the pacing on this one was okay it was just a little slow but aside from that it was I, I don't know I, I just found myself thinking I really preferred last month's version of the whole prison stuff than this month so that's really all I have to say
1: because he doesn't like to talk as much shit as I do
2: <laughs> uh,
1: why
0: waste the time?
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough.
0: All right, so that will bring us a to our last. Like you like
1: the next one?
0: Yeah, our last book of the week, which really? is Nightwing.
1: A Nightwing
2: oh, book? Oh God! <laughs> you know I hate Nightwing. <laughs> uh, uh, no, yes, this is Nightwing One Hundred and One. Uh, I yes. know, right? A book that feels like it should be a Dawn of the DCU book, but is not, and I'm wondering if that's because of the book that will be spinning out of this book. Uh, but regardless, yes, this is Nightwing 101, written, of course, by Tom Taylor, with art from the incomparable Travis Moore, and I can't believe I'm saying that because I've been waiting like four years for Travis Moore to do a Nightwing book, and no, I'm not counting the era of which we do not speak, because yes, I know he did art for that, no, I don't care. Uh, with colors from other Ruggs are you talking about? from West. You know I don't what remember
1: what Travis about. Moore ever doing that. Uh, yeah. Tra- no, there was. Uh uh-uh. uh I don't know no, what you're talking about. It did. That, yeah, nah, yeah, it didn't happen. Right, I Whatever don't you're I know you're talking about. It didn't happened. happen. It ne- exactly, That's what I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, but
2: you know, like, if something were to have happened, he didn't do it. <laughs> What's that OJ book? <laughs> if I had done it. This is how. What, I don't remember, but anyway. Um, if I did it or something like that, I'm getting off topic. This is Nightwing 101. Um, and uh, we open fittingly in hell because where else would you start a Nightwing book? Uh, but specifically, we're catching up with Neron, who is checking in with his demon hordes after they failed to recover a soul that was promised to them the soul of one Olivia. I'm forgetting her last name but uh, basically Blockbuster's daughter, who we sort of went through that whole plot line in issue 98, I believe it was. um, Neron is chiding his, yes, Neron is chiding his servants for their inability to do so, but more so questioning how it was even possible that they were clouded or shrouded um, from his view. And of course he suspects as naturally as one would that Nightwing must have had some kind of help course, from the daughter of Trigon, which means that Neron needs to go out and seek some of his associates to bring down the Titans from uh, the best way that he can do so. That was a weird way to say it, but basically, Neron takes a little trip over to Vladova to speak to the king of Vladova, except not really, <clears throat> because the king is hidden somewhere, and in his place is none other than the grinning man playing at being the king of Vladova. Neron has a mission for him and sends him off to find the Titans and recover the soul of Olivia Desmond. And of course, that's a perfect way to transition over to Olivia Desmond, who is spending time with the Titans and having just a grand old time playing with Beast Boy and Raven as they LARP their medieval fantasy adventure. Nightwing shows up at that time with Bitewing, and they sort of catch everything up, or they catch up on everything that's going on. Uh, But more specifically, they're talking about the body that they found under Titan's Tower, which of course fell for the 700 millionth time during the events of Dark Crisis. (laughs) Which means that they need to go over to New York to the ruins of the old Titan's Tower uh, and investigate just who this mysterious body might be. Starfire, upon finding out that the body is there, immediately works to... I tunnel through to the bottom of the surface of Titan's Tower and recover the body, where they find that it is none other than the King of Vladava. But how can that be possible? King of Vladava supposed to be alive. Also, this body looks way too fresh. So they send it over to some of no, their friends. Looks way too old. Yeah, way too old. Um, yeah. Something like that. Well, the, the the body looks too freshly buried. I think they say, or something like that. Uh, but in cooperation with the U.S. government, specifically Amanda Waller and the an embassy, they send the, uh, the uh, corpse over uh, to be examined, where they find that something is not off. I mean, there were too many red flags and that the body could not be, you know, fresh at least um, or, or could not have, have fallen when Titan's Tower had fallen. There were too many red flags there. And that's, of course when dick gets a rather nasty conk to the head and we find that the smiling or sorry the grinning man is right on to the titans and uh, the grinning man shifts his appearance to look just like nightwing uh, as nightwing is passed out heads out to meet up with starfire and raven as they make their way uh, to investigate the mystery further and that's where our main story ends we have a backup which very much caught me off Um, because uh, as far as I know, Nightwing has never had a backup. But I guess for this new era of Nightwing, we have backups now. But it's a rather short one and continues the adventures of uh, Dick mentoring John, uh, particularly as they investigate a mystery at the circus, one that leads to rather explosive results. And that's all I will say. That backup is written by C.S. Pacat, with pencils from Eduardo Pacinca, inks from Julio Ferreira, and colors from Adriano Lucas, with letters also from Wes Abbott. Loved the main story, uh, just, I mean, really, I felt so spoiled getting to see Travis Moore do Nightwing in all his glory, um, but also just a great way to introduce this new Titans era of a Nightwing, um, and I'm, I'm interested to see where this mystery goes. So Nightwing got a nine out of 10 for me. The backup uh, it was fun. But honestly, I think just because I was so caught off guard with the backup, I didn't score it. Um, So uh, I'll I'll have to think about that a little bit more. But yeah, I'm just so not used to Nightwing having a backup. It was a little strange at first. No,
1: not at all. Mm -hmm. Hey, Nightwing, you made it to the big time. (laughs) 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 I mean, only huge books get backups. Uh, Joshua but, uh, Sure uh, uh, I'm gonna uh, Echo what Brandon said Travis Moore does a damn good job In here as does Pansica and Freira. Um So I, I got two things here um, The only thing That I'm really not digging about this Is that everything is Denoted as happening now even even the 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 first story and the second story are all happening now um that drives me crazy when it happens in separate issues but in a single issue it 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 just it slapped me and i i had to i actually had to come back to it that is my only complaint though it's it's an annoying one but not enough to drag the score down too much um other than that, both stories are really enjoyable, and they do have me wondering where they go. It's just that whole when thing that has me a little flustered. Because of that, I can't score it as high as I want to score it, But um, especially with this creatives. But uh, I give it an 8 out of 10. I do have a question for you guys, though. Uh, am, 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 is, is this a case of me just forgetting? Because... The only grinning man that I I've ever heard of is uh, he's he's from this he's from Silent Hill. I don't That's remember. It. I don't remember. Yeah, it. I hadn't uh, heard of anyone else. So the grinning, grinning man, man is, is in a new basic character. Horror law, uh, horror
0: lore, as well. Um, that I guess Silent Hill kind of took uh, ideas from. So this might oh, just be probably. a run of the
1: mill famous demon. Okay, I'll take that. He's 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 definitely one hell of a shapeshifter. And poor yeah. Nightwing, it just it aggravated me that there was a real Nightwing that not got that got knocked out. There was a fake Nightwing impersonating him, and then also a real Nightwing with John. But ultimately, I mean, you know, take it where you can get it, and assume that they're two separate stories. Then. Then it still it still well deserves an eight out of ten.
0: Yeah. I I I'm always under the idea that the backups tend to be at different times, not running concurrently with the main story. Like I I know I, we don't mention it, but Young Diana, for example, is well, well in the past. And as um,
1: I, I did see some talking, chatter online about.
0: as I did see some chatter online about uh, this issue with Nightwing a lot of people agree at this point Nightwing should just be wearing a helmet I think Dick should look into that (laughs) he gets hit in the head way too many times (laughs) with
1: heavy metal objects bullets fucking A
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's your one weakness (laughs) his head trauma um yeah I'm, I'm digging the new status quo right now but I think I'm more excited for Titans to have their own book again because having the Titans here is cool but I, I really did like this more when it was a Nightwing centric book Um, not that I'm against like the odd cameo and whatnot like we had so far during Taylor's run but right away this feels like kind of Titans as, as much as it is Nightwing so it's it feels kind of weird Uh, I don't know. Maybe there's... I'll see how the next issue goes. (laughs) Um, Neuron, I think, is an interesting choice right now for a villain. I'm all for it, though. I I, kind of dig Neuron as a villain. Uh, I gave this an 8.75 out of 10. I I really enjoyed the, the story. I think the art was quite good with some issues here and there, but ultimately quite fun. I think that is everyone's review, yeah? Uh, So now we're going to get into our top three of the week and favorite moment if you had one. Josh, you want to start us off?
1: I do. Uh, Number three, I wanted, uh, I gave to the book we just reviewed, Nightwing number 101. Stellar, even if the timeline kind of screwed it up a little bit, it didn't screw it up enough to piss me off number two the flash number 793 was freaking awesome and uh if i didn't enjoy the way that they were fleshing out catwoman so much flash would have number one and that spoils it for number one catwoman number 51 took the top spot for me today my my um my favorite moment is it's in uh, Lazarus Omega. Art-wise, even though it was partly covered by two other panels, it I thought it, I thought it looked so good, and I wish I would have been able to see a full splash of it, but it was that scene with Black Alice being pulled through the portal and kind of being stretched out a bit. Man, that shit was just gorgeous. Just gorgeous.
0: I agree there. Brandon, what you got?
2: Uh, three, I had Flash. Two was Nightwing. But number one for this week, I had to give it uh, to Superman. Just had the most fun with that one. But uh, my favorite moment, easily from Superman, as I mentioned earlier, is the moment with Livewire um, after she's been captured. And she just screams, uh, Livewire's fans won't be denied. You can't cancel me. And it just that just made me laugh because <laughs> it, it was such a ridiculous thing.
1: Indeed, it yeah. really fucking was uh, okay as for me
0: uh, top 3 I had GCPd the blue wall number 5 at number 3 uh, another shocking issue number 2 I had world's finest number 12 and at number 1 I had Superman number 1 uh, just great issues all around and favorite moments um, kind of tied between Robin forgetting to get cash and Ace and Bart just having it out over swallowing bugs while running it's just a great moment <laughs> alright so that was our favorite moments now it's time for your favorite moments
1: it is the biggest thinker oh that's nasty mm-hmm. Hmm. alright boys what major stink list this week uh, world's finest was a waste of time and money, but at the exact same score, Superman number one, it was a number one, and it should have been good, but he fucked Superman all kinds of up, especially when compared to who we had at the Superman helm before this. So, I feel
0: personally, it's gonna I be Superman to number one, folks. <laughs>
1: yeah, Brandon, wh- I know.
2: Uh, I had Lazarus Planet uh, Omega this week. Just kind of a weird, I don't know. I don't want to say disappointing, but uh, I mean, lackluster is probably the best word for it. Just not that
0: great. Right on. Uh, and for me, surprising even myself, uh, Black Adam number eight, I just thought was kind of boring this week. Uh, it's been an interesting run. I'm enjoying Bolt with Malik, but. Um, ultimately it's just kind of going on a little too long I think I have no idea where the hell the story is supposed to be going yeah yes. so that is our show is. if there's no last minute notes or uh, thoughts we have for the week
1: mm, no no no, not without Ooh. being a real stinker myself. <laughs> <laughs> Alright,
0: well, that is our show. Remember, you can help support the show by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash NARpodcast. Check us out on Twitter at NotRobotComics, Instagram at NARcomicBooks, and subscribe to our Substack for bonus reviews, articles, and more. And as always, there's only one way we say goodbye around here. Until next time.
1: be good to each other. And... Yeah. Don't be a robot.